0: What's up? Man, I don't know where you're at, but Littleton is on fire today. What's up, Lakewood, Arvada, Austin, Texas? We love you already. Brussels, Belgium, we love you. And men and women at both God Behind Bars campuses. We're so glad you're with us. Welcome, we love you, your family, we believe in you. If you're visiting, how many of you visiting for the first time today? At all locations, put your hands up. Welcome to church. I hope you've already felt welcomed. Um, That's our goal. We know we're messed up, so you don't even have to worry about being messed up and joining us. Just welcome to the party, all right? So no matter what's going on, we're glad you're here. We're going to love you here, welcome you, believe in you, and you've already been prayed for. So we're glad you're here. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. You guys ready? Come on, we're gonna make a uh, a dating no no sorry that was last week we're gonna make a marriage mixtape this week. Married people make some noise. Single people make some noise. Single people and hoping to leave here not single make some noise. <laughs> right over here is a good section if you're scoping and hoping. So last week. Last week, we we made a dating mixtape, and those of you who weren't privileged enough to to live and to enjoy music during the 80s, I taught you how to make a mixtape. So, but for you, maybe it was a playlist, maybe you're old enough that you burned a CD in your day, or maybe you actually were like an OG and you made a mixtape on a cassette tape. Whatever the medium, here's what we know. Music and mixtapes move people, don't they? And so what we're here talking about in this series is, we're saying, God, would you move our relationships closer to what you actually had in mind? And so today we're gonna make a marriage mixtape. but what we're talking about, just so you know, right from the start, what we're talking about today is fighting for our marriages. Cause church, our marriages are worth fighting for, amen? So today we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that. A few years back, me and, and Ronnie and Chad and Luke and Andrew, we started doing some MMA training with the one and only Mark Montoya at Factory X. And the first thing he asked us on day one was, he said, hey, you want to just burn calories and go through the motions, or you want to learn how to fight? And we're like, oh, we want to learn how to fight. <laughs> and as I was getting ready for today, that's how I felt. Let's not go through the motions. Let's not just play church today. Let's learn how to fight. Let's learn how to fight for our marriages. There's a statement that I want you to take home with you today. Go ahead and put that slide up. You may have fallen into love, but you're going to have to fight to stay there. See, we know what we mean when we say fallen into love, right? And I put quotes around that because we hear it all the time. Many of us upset it. It's on every show we watch, like somebody's falling in love, which means you got all these feelings, right? These euphoric feelings and emotions, and you really do want to call for the fourth time that day just to hear her voice like you just do, right? And so that's what we're talking about. Those feelings, they may help you fall in love. They won't keep you there. At some point, we gotta decide, I'm gonna fight for my marriage. Because, see, see, the the feelings, they're they're magical, right? That's what we say. That's what pop culture says. Our favorite shows, our favorite movies, our favorite songs, they all sort of say the same thing. The fight, if you pay attention, the fight is really just finding the right person. That's the fight. Sifting through all the wrong people, find the right person, because if I find the right person, my gosh, it's magic right? And we have all these magical feelings and we fall magically in love because we just found the right person and fell in love. And we just sort of sail off into the sunset together in eternal bliss, right? Yeah, Yeah. it looks like this. That easy. Let's close in prayer. I was going to say that's all fake. Then I saw Jim and Pam and I was like, whoa, there's nothing fake about the office. All right. That was real. There are no office characters. They are real people. This whole idea of if I find the right person and I can get the right feelings and we fall in love, like it's fake, but it's real, but it's fake and it doesn't last. It's it's real, but it's fake, and it doesn't last. I'll explain. But first, I want to read something, and and, and it's a little lengthy, so I had the words put up on the screen, so wherever you're at, or if you're watching online, they'll be on the screen. Follow along with me. As you read this, or hear me read it, for some of you, I'm not kidding, a light bulb is going to come on. Some of you, as I'm reading this, are going to go, that's it. That's why I felt that way. That's why I feel this way, right? All right, let's read. This is from a book called The Five Love Languages, which I'm going to reference here in a minute. Gary Chapman, it says this. Go ahead and put that up. At its peak, the in-love experience is euphoric. We are emotionally obsessed with each other. We go to sleep thinking of one another. When we rise, that person is the first thought on our minds. We long to be together. When we hold hands, oh, it seems as if our blood flows together. We could kiss forever if we didn't have to go to school or work. When we embrace, time seems to stop. Nothing will ever overcome our love for each other. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Unfortunately, the eternality of the in love experience is fiction, not fact. The late psychologist, Dr. Dorothy Tinov, Conducting long-range studies of the in-love phenomenon after studying scores of couples, she concluded that the average lifespan of a romantic obsession is two years. Eventually, however, we all descend from the clouds and plant our feet on earth again. Our eyes are opened and we see the warts on the other person. Her endearing quirks are now merely annoying. His sharp sense of humor now wounds. Those little bumps we overlooked when we were in love now become huge mountains. By nature, we are egocentric. Our world revolves around us. None of us is totally altruistic. The euphoria of the in love experience only gives us that illusion. Once the experience of falling in love has run its natural course, we will return to the world of reality. See, it's real, but it's fake and it doesn't last. It's real because we really feel it. We re- I hate talking on the phone. I really called Jill multiple times a day just to hear her voice. I really did. Do you hang up? No, you hang up, no, you stop it. Let's just listen to each other breathe and fall asleep. It's real because you feel it, right? It's real, you feel it. But, but, but it's fake because it doesn't last. It, It's real and we know it's real and many times that's what pushes us to marriage because we have the feelings. The problem is is 50% of our marriages are ending in divorce because apparently at one point people wake up and go, wait a sec, I don't feel it anymore. I don't feel happy anymore. I don't feel euphoric. I don't feel like I'm in love. Here it is. I must have found the wrong person. And so I better start over. And if I find the right person, then I'll get the feelings back. Then I'll fall in love. And then I can have the fairy tale, because that's how it works. And we're losing 50% of our marriages. Church, I want to tell you feelings and and falling, it might have gotten you into love. But we got to fight if we want to stay there. Anybody ready to fight? I want to fight. Here's what the Bible says real love looks like, and notice it has nothing to do with euphoric feelings or what I can get from you. John 13, 34, Jesus said this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus said, you want to really love somebody? You want to fight through emotions, through good days and bad days, through the days I feel it and through the days I don't, and really love somebody? He said, I'm going to show you what it looks like. And if you know your Bible or spent any time in church, you know what he did. He said, let me show you what love looks like. And he went to a cross and sacrificed everything to pay the price for our sins so that today we can be forgiven of our sins in the here and now and get heaven forever. He said, let me show you. Real love, and, and understand this, he fought through some stuff to do that. Remember the garden? Remember when he prayed in the garden and he sweat blood and he said, oh my God, my father, if there's any way to get, if any way to get this done other than what we're looking at here, if there's any other plan, if there's anything else that'll work. And then he said, but it's not about my will. Because see, what he knew that we need to learn is love is not about what I can get. Love is about what I can give. And so it's not about my will it's about your will and i'll go give it all and i'll go serve and i'll go sacrifice and i'll go submit right i'll give everything i am and everything i have that's what love looks like and it has nothing to do with euphoric feelings on the good days or lack of euphoric feelings on the bad days you may have fallen into love but you're gonna have to fight if you want to stay there so today I have 10 tracks, 10 title tracks I want to add to our marriage mixtape, 10 ways I want to encourage you to fight for your marriage. Because there's 10, and I've already talked for 11 minutes and 14 seconds, I'm about to fly. So get on the edge of your seat, get out your notepad, get out your phone, get ready to take some notes, because here we go. Track number one, go ahead. Race to Repent. And I would say this, make it for real. Race to repent and make it for real. We gotta stop fake apologizing to each other. Listen, if you're single and you're going, well, this isn't for me, they're talking about fighting for your marriage, single people, there's no better time to learn how to fight for your marriage than before you get married. Ask any real fighter. You train before you get in the cage. You're here on the perfect weekend, okay? Race to repent and start to make your apologies real. No more of this. Well, I'm, I'm sorry if that hurt your feelings. What is that? I think you just called me unstable and you <laughs> pretended it was an apology. I'm so sorry if, if that hurt your feelings. I really am. Forgive me. No, no, no. Come on, guys. Uh, an apology is this I was wrong. I'm sorry. I had to say it to my wife yesterday while putting together this message. Talk about salt in the wound. <laughs> I was just wrong. And I'm sorry, will you forgive me? That's an apology. Listen, and I'm telling you, it sounds so, so simple. Um, according to the word of God, it may be the very thing that begins to heal some fractured marriages, because repentance brings healing. Listen to this, James five sixteen. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be, so that you may be healed. What, what if, what if this week you prayed about it and you got in the right frame of mind and, and you picked the right time and you went to your spouse and you said, "Listen, I need to repent of some sin. Some of it you know of, and some of it you might not. But I need to repent of some sin." And it's not because it's easy and it's not because it's comfortable and it's not because I don't feel humiliated right now because I do. It's because I believe in this marriage and I believe it needs some healing. I wanna see healing in our marriage. I wanna fight for our marriage. So I'm gonna start by saying I'm sorry, right? Race, race to repent. And then the second one is this, forgive like crazy. See, racing to repent it only works in the confines of marriage if we're also already committed to forgiving like crazy. Right? I had the opportunity to also forgive my wife recently. <laughs> the truth is, if you know my wife, she's, she's so close to perfect that I don't get that opportunity very often. So when I do, I share it. (laughs) (laughs) Truthfully, she actually said, you know, you should share that story. I was like, you sure? Okay. (laughs) She was working out, doing Orange Theory, and and she's never had an injury in her life, never had a surgery in her life. I've had like 50. I'm going to tell you about one of them here in a minute. But like, she hurt something in her back, had to have a surgery. It was a freak thing. So she has this surgery, and, and because it was a pretty painful surgery, they put her on some pain medication. So they put her on something called Percocet, which apparently is no joke. And so so it's the day after surgery, she's all drugged up. And I'm thinking, well, she's tougher than I am, she'll be fine, I went to work. So I get a text, I get a text on my phone from MasterCard Fraud Department. And it says, did you spend $300 at Garrett's Popcorn? (laughs) And I went, No, all caps, heck no. I called Jill, I said, Jill, someone stole our credit card. Someone spent $300 on popcorn. (laughs) My wife has never been happier sounding in our marriage, which I also didn't like. And she's like, oh, babe. (laughs) She goes, everyone, and I mean everyone in our family, gets a bonus Christmas gift of popcorn. I'm like, what's a bonus gift? What are you talking Stop. And all of a sudden it hit me like, stop shopping online on pain pills. Stop it. And I came home later that day and her pain medicine had worn off and she was just sitting in the living room and she was like, I'm sorry. I said, that's okay, babe, because I forgive like crazy. I don't get these opportunities very often the truth is I have for 20 years been married to someone that I have never deserved and I love her so much and have so much respect for her so babe I love you the Apostle Paul says this to some friends of his in Ephesus he said you want a real good marriage you want to fight for your marriage he said this he said get rid of all bitterness rage and anger Brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. He said, Here it is. He said, This will change you. This will change your relationships. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. I'm telling you, this will change our marriage. If we'll race to repent, I'm not going to wait till you earn it. I'm not going to wait till you deserve it. I'm going to forgive. Why? Put that slide up. Because I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven so much, and God didn't wait for me to deserve or earn forgiveness, so I'm not going to make you. I'm going to forgive because it sets us free. See what Paul was talking about there? Anger and bitter bitterness. I mean, these are prisons. They put our relationships in bondage. And and just by simply saying I'm sorry and actually forgiving, we get to set each other free in the middle of a relationship. I've been forgiven. It sets us free, and I want to fight for this marriage. So absolutely, babe, I forgive you, and I ain't bringing it up anymore. That's what it looks like. And and listen, if you don't get anything else... What if the only reason God had you here is because this week, he's he's encouraging you right now because this week he knows if you would go to your spouse and do some repenting and do some forgiving that he would do some miraculous healing and your marriage will never look the same. (laughs) Race to repent and then forgive like crazy. Number three, title number three is speak life. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. See, when I was single, I was so sure that once I found the person, because I've watched all the same movies, once I found the person and get the right feels and fall magically in love and live happily ever after, happy forever, that all my problems would really go away, or at least the big ones. And some of you single people, you wouldn't say it, but you feel it. Like if I could just find the right one and get married, all these problems would go away. Marriage won't fix your problems, single people. It'll just expose them. That's what it does. And all the married people said, "Mm mm-hmm, yep. (laughs) And that's okay. And here's why I was thinking about it this week. That's okay because, see, when Jill knows all my defects and still loves me, see, that's real love. So if I want to really be loved, I want to be really known, to be fully known and, and still loved, that's to be fully loved. So it's okay that your spouse knows the worst about you and still chooses to love you. That allows for the opportunity for real love. But here, here this, is, this is awesome, I'm telling you, um, God showed me this this week and it was just like, I just hadn't seen it this way before. Because Jill knows my weaknesses better than anyone else on the planet, listen, she can speak life into me better than anyone else on the planet. She knows the dark spots, so she knows where light needs to be shined. She knows my insecurities so she can speak courage into me like nobody else can. She knows my weaknesses so she can speak strength into me like nobody else really can. Last year, some stuff went down, and 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 I, I came to my wife one day and I was all upset, and, and someone had some opinions about me and the church and our ministry and the whole thing. And, and, to my, it sort of to my surprise, it rocked me, to the point where I got real emotional and I was like, you know what, babe, I'm done. I don't need this. Like, I just don't, I don't need this. I know I'm not perfect, I'm not even close, I've never claimed to be, and I'm trying, and you know what, forget it. And my wife goes, I wanna read you something, and I wanna tell you something. Sit down. <laughs> she read this, Isaiah 40, verses nine and 10. Hey, single people, Remember last week I said you're looking for somebody who's sold out for Jesus? This is why. She says, sit down, babe. Climb a high mountain, Zion. You're the preacher of good news. Raise your voice. Make it good and loud, Jerusalem. You're the preacher of good news. Speak loud and clear. Don't be timid. Tell the cities of Judah, look, your God. Look at him. God, the master, comes in power, ready to go into action. She said, Sean, you are called to preach the gospel. Don't you dare let anybody talk you out of that. Don't you dare get timid. And she knows my insecurities, so she could speak life into me like nobody else could. She said, you're the best dad. You're the best husband. You're the best preacher. She just started speaking life into me. Because your spouse knows your weaknesses better than anybody else, he or she can speak life into you better than anybody else, and vice versa. Would you put that slide up? Nobody knows your spouse's weaknesses better than you, which means nobody can speak life into your spouse better than you. Get this. You're your spouse's best shot at being encouraged today. Speak life. And let me just give you a little hint. Guys, She wants to know you love her today. Speak life. And women, we just want to know you believe in us. Speak life. You can change your marriage. Race to repent. Forgive like crazy. Speak life. And title number four, speak their language. And I want to go back to that five love languages book real quick. I was forced to read. How are we doing? 22 minutes? Oh, we got this. Uh, Uh-uh. I, was, I had to read that book when I was an intern, and I was not happy about it. Um, I thought I'm way too manly to be reading this purple and pink love language book. You know what I mean? But I read it, and it may have had a bigger impact on me than almost any other book I've read. I'm not even kidding. And, and I, I highly encourage it, but I'm also gonna give you the Cliff Notes right now. God, thank you for Cliff Notes. So, so here's the Cliff Notes. You like to give and receive love a certain way. We all do. He calls it your love language. And he says what you need to do in a marriage is figure out what your spouse's love language is so that you're speaking the right language because you might be trying to show him or her love in a certain way, and they're not even understanding what you're saying because they receive love differently. You're not speaking their language. The five love languages are, go ahead and put that up, words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, that's mine, come on, (laughs) quality time, and physical touch. And so the idea is, I most receive love, or feel loved when I get one of those. What I'm tempted to do is try to show my spouse love the same way I receive it, and he goes, be careful, because you might be talking, and she might not be hearing it. My wife came downstairs the other day, she was looking in the closet, I was literally three feet behind her. I'm like, hey babe, here's a plan. Like, I'm going to pick up Austin, and you pick up Ashton, and, and Ethan can drive himself now, and we'll see if Uncle Chris can take him to this game, and I'll go to this game, and you go to that game. Does that sound like a good plan? And my wife turns around, and she goes, hey, babe, love you. <laughs> what? No, 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 love you, love you long time. Not the point. Listen. <laughs> Did you hear me? She goes, she moves back her hair, and she goes, takes out her AirPods. We were three feet away. I was talking. She didn't get any of it. I'm t- this is happening in our marriages, guys. You're saying I love you, but she's not getting it. You're saying you love him, and he's not getting it, right? Like, because I, I'm the gift giver, I would bring home presents all the time. Little gifts, big gifts, usually shoes, and, and I'd get my wife presents. And to me, I'm like screaming, I love you. And you know what she's thinking? I need another pair of Nikes like I need a hole in my head. If he loved me, he'd clean off the table because she's acts of service, see? So it's taken me 20 years to figure this out. Guys, this is free. If I want a really good night. Some of you are like, my kids are in here. Mine are too. There's no better place after the home than the local church to hear about this stuff. If I want a really good night, I don't bring home shoes. I do the dishes. My wife walks in the house, sees a clean kitchen, and the dishes are done, and she's like, you upstairs now. Speak. Their language. (laughs) Title number five. Making its second debut in a row. What you really, really want. It's the only title to make the top pop chart top, you know what I mean, twice in a row. Spice Girls didn't know we had it in them. Didn't know they had it in them. I, (whistles) I said last week, if you're single, you need to figure out what you really, really want. You need to figure out what you're looking for before you start looking, right? Make a list. That's what I said. Married people, you can take that list and you can scratch it all out now and you flip over the paper and now you look at your spouse and you say what you really, really want. Talk to me. How can I be a better spouse? How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better wife? I'm listening. How can I better submit to you? How can I better serve you? How can I make your dreams come true? How can I sacrifice in this relationship for you? How are you gonna break this couple up? Listen to what Paul says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He said, he's getting ready to do this whole section on how to be a husband and how to be a wife. And that's the first thing he says, you want to fight for your relationship, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. How are you going to break up a couple who are both making lists? How can I serve you? No, how can I serve you? How can I sacrifice for you? No, how can I sacrifice for you? How can I, how can I make your dreams? No, no, I want to make your dreams. How can I be more? How can I, no, no, how how are you going to break them up? Make a list, and now you ask your spouse what you really, really want, because I'm all in, because I understand now. I'm maturing now in my faith. Love is not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. What do you want? Title number five, what you really, really want. Title number six, get help. Get help. Proverbs 24, six says this, for by wise guidance, you can wage your war. I'm talking about fighting here. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory. One of the best things me and Jill ever did for our marriage is go to counseling. See, several years ago, we were a few years into this whole church thing. And all of a sudden, we realized we're pretty good business partners. It's kind of what our marriage has turned into. And it was on me. Like, we, we're good at, we raise kids together now, and, and we manage finances together now, and we do real estate together now, and we even run a church together now. But what we don't do is be a married couple very well together anymore. Kind of turned into business partners. And it, and it was on me, because see, I thought, I thought I was being heroic and valiant and spiritual, and I put everything I had into trying to start a church, so much so that it didn't even cross my mind maybe you ought to start giving your best at home. And so through a lot of counseling, I made a decision many years ago, and hopefully I never make that mistake again, but this church never gets put in front of my family. I love you guys. Ain't gonna happen. Just won't do it. One of the best things we ever did is get counseling. And I wanna challenge you married couples, get wise, godly counsel. Single people, stop asking your single bitter friends for relationship advice. (laughs) Married people, Stop asking your single, unhappily married, bitter friends for relationship advice. You want wise, godly counsel. You want somebody, here's what you want. You need to find a couple in your life, in your family, around your neighborhood, in the church, whatever. You need to find a couple that's been married like 30, 40, 50 years and go, would you help me? Would you be? I'll buy you lunch, I'll buy you dinner if we could just ask you some questions. Some of you might be surprised to find out it's actually your parents. You don't have to agree on fashion to say, hey, can you tell me how to have a 40 year marriage? Because that's what I want in my life, right? We need to start asking the right people. You need to get a couple, a mentor type couple in your life. Some of you need to go to some counseling. Because of the thousands and thousands of people that now go to Red Rocks, we couldn't counsel every married couple even if we had the right degrees and wanted to. We just couldn't, it's not possible anymore. So what we've done is spent countless hours and I wanna give a huge shout out to Chris Jindra. <laughs> countless hours putting together all kinds of resources. And we, we, this week it's on the app. Straight on the front page of the app, there's a button that says marriage resources. Hit that button. We will recommend counselors for all different things that you might need counseling for. On that thing, there are marriage retreats and marriage conferences and marriage intensive and there's books and there's websites. I mean, it's awesome. Take advantage of it. Get help. And last but not least, and this will only apply probably to the first few services, but on that list of books, there's one written by our very own Gary Brugman, that's Scott and Chad's dad. Anytime I have a question about marriage, he's the first person I call. He just is. And so he wrote a book, and we have a very limited supply. You are not allowed to leave this room till worship is over but you are allowed to sprint to the lobby after worship and get your copy. If we run out, we'll tell you if we can get more. But I'll tell you what, I'd be running to the lobby after this service if there was any left, and I'd be getting that. Get help. Title number seven, date your spouse. Date your spouse. Marriages are ending all over the place because somebody told us somewhere along the line, you date somebody until you get married. I'm telling you, don't stop dating just because you got married. In fact, take your dating up a notch, right? See, on autopilot, especially us men, but I think all of us to a certain degree, on autopilot, we pursue what we don't have. And then we find a spouse, and we go, gotcha, and we get married, and we stop pursuing. You're supposed to have fun in your marriage. There's supposed to be excitement in your marriage if you would do 50% of the stuff you used to do to pursue her, think about how good your marriage would be right now. Think about how fun your marriage would be if you spent as much time getting ready for a date as you used to before you were married. Think about all the things you did, and all the calls just to hear your voice, and all the text messages and flowers—not on Valentine's Day—and like special trips and special nights. And I just got a surprise, babe, because I want to be be romantic tonight. Some of you need to Justin Timberlake your marriage and start bringing sexy back. Yeah. Start dating your spouse. And listen, I know some of you are going to be like, oh, "I can't. We can't afford it right now." This is not about money. This is about making it happen. Me and Jill's first trip to Mexico was in our living room. I'm not even kidding. I came home from work one day, and she met me at the back door in a sundress, and I was like, dang, what's up? And she just grabbed my hand. And she goes, we were broke as a joke. She goes, we're going to Mexico. Mexico. And we went into the living room and she had taken yellow construction paper and cut out sun rays and put them around a lamp and she put two towels on the floor and we had a boom box and she had the sound of the ocean playing and we had chips and guac and we went to Mexico in our living room and brought some sexy back. Date your spouse. Number eight, how we doing? Oh, we're killing it, guys. We're killing it. Number eight, pursue your God. I'm going to be fast because Ronnie talked about this week one. If you missed that week, you got to go back and listen to it. But I'm telling you, some of you married people, the best thing you could do for your marriage, to fight for your marriage, is to start fight for your time with God again. Because what happens is, he says, you're the branch and I'm the vine, and when we're connected, everything works. But when we get disconnected, everything starts to fall apart. And some of you, because you haven't spent any time with God lately, in the word, in prayer, in worship, just, just getting together with your Savior... You have forgotten. See, when I'm, when I'm spending good time with God, I remember like that's where my identity comes from. That's where my peace comes from. That's where my joy comes from. That's where my hope comes from. That's where my purpose and security come from, right? But when I don't spend time with God, I start putting those things on my spouse. And some of you have been so long since you spent time with God, you put all these unrealistic expectations on your spouse that he or she can never live up to. And you thought because they're not delivering on that, you might be falling out of love. And the truth is, if you start spending some time with your God, take those unrealistic expectations off your spouse, you can start having fun in marriage again. Pursue your God. Number nine, just don't quit. 1 Corinthians 13, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and here it is, it always perseveres. The Hebrews have a word for love. It's called Ahava, and and if and they would tell you that that Ahava is a love of my will. I choose to love you. Has nothing to do with feelings. Ahava says, "Come hell or high water, I love you because I choose to love you. It's my choice of my will, and has nothing to do with how I feel today. Ahava." this would change some marriages if we would start to get this ahava spirit inside of us see i choose you i chose you we stood in front of our family and friends and our god and we made vows that said "Till life do us part i choose you Ahaba says you couldn't get rid of me if you tried i told you i've had like 50 surgeries I had a shoulder surgery last year. I've, I've told part of this story before, but I've never told how it ends, and that's what I want to get to. I was given some pain medicine right after the surgery, and what I didn't know is it messed me up with my anxiety. and And I started to have like crazy panic attacks, like I hadn't had in years. And I'm talking about like, and if you've never had them, you're like, you're just Weak, And you have no idea, but if you have, you'll know what I'm talking about. But, but I'm talking like, like panic attacks that I, I I couldn't make it stop. And, And I was pacing around the house in the middle of the night. I couldn't sleep. There were times when I was feel so claustrophobic. I couldn't be in the house. I'd have to go outside. I couldn't get in a car. There were times when I was just weeping and I didn't know why I was just literally falling apart and so embarrassed. There was one point when my wife came up to me and she's trying to hug me. And I was like, babe, I'm like, I don't want the boys to see me like this. I'm so embarrassed. And I don't want you to see me like this. And at one point I said to my wife, I said, you know what? You deserve better than this. Come on, have you you ever felt like that? Like, she deserves better. He deserves better. That's how I was feeling. I couldn't shake it. And my wife, she grabs me like this. Both hands around the back of my head. She said, don't you ever say that. She said, I love you just the way you are. And then she said this. She grabbed me like this. She said, look at me. And she goes, I'm not going anywhere. va church. I love you on your good days and your bad. I love you on my good days and my bad. Because it's a choice of my will. Ahava. And the last point, would you stand up with me for this one? Track number 10. Stand on the word. Listen, church, let's not, let's not play games. We said we weren't going to go through the motions today. We're going to learn how to fight. Marriage is one of the most amazing things in the world. It's also really hard sometimes, isn't it? And things happen and things go bad. And, and there is relational shrapnel at every single campus just in different ways. From current marriages, past marriages, failed marriages. People who are so lonely wondering if there'll ever be a marriage. I want you to know that it's okay. It's okay every now and then to go, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I can't figure this out on my own. And you know what? I don't have to anymore. I'm going to stand on his word. Would you put that slide up? Some of you need to take a screenshot of this. It's going to be your arsenal this week to start fighting for your marriage. I'm going to stand on his word. I know Satan wants to keep me defeated. Satan wants to ruin my marriage. But you know what? Greater is he who is within me than he that is in the world. Satan, you don't get to win. Ahava, I choose to stay. I must stand on the word. Romans 8:37. in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In all these things, even my marriage, even on the days when I don't know if we're going to make it, I can stand. I'm more than a conqueror. And sometimes my situation feels impossible, but what I remind myself is, is with my God, all things are possible. I'm gonna stand on his word, I'm not going anywhere. I choose to love you, let's forgive, let's repent, let's get excited about each other again, and let's go. And then we get in moments like this, and we get in God's presence, and we say, God, I need you to heal what's broken. This, in his presence, when we go for it like this, this is where healing starts. This is where life change begins. This is where our God meets us. Anybody ready to fight for your marriage? Let's go, let's worship.